0: Hello Legends, today I catch up with CUB member Joanne Camilleri. Jo is the owner of gifts to give a gifting business that operates two brands, spreading the joy of gifting with a focus on gifts for schools. Jo is a serial entrepreneur. Starting her business journey as a consultant, she then found her business partner and opened several Telstra stores and Telstra businesses before launching their very own co-working space, Work Tank and a software business, SoulBuild. Me and Joe had a great discussion covering topics like how to find the best business partner possible for yourself, how to create a successful sales team, how to partner with big companies, and how sometimes you can create the best business by turning a personal need into a business. Joe is an incredibly inspiring and successful entrepreneur. Enjoy the show. So that means we are now live.
1: Great, thank you.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the show. Um, I'm very excited to to catch up with you. It has been a while, and you are like I was just saying, a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> you have a lot of business. I don't know how you do it, but but I want to find out today. <laughs> sure, sure. Happy to share with you. And uh, Joe, tell me. So, what's the latest business? What's the what's the the business that's I guess taking most of your time at the moment?
1: So that would be our most recently acquired business being gifts to give. So John and I established that just in June last year and we've been scaling and rebranding and getting our heads around that business at a rapid rate. Okay, and, and what does it do? Uh, I'm assuming it's a gift business, but. 100%. Yeah, so that is one of the things it does. So we purchased an established business back in June last year, which was originally called Bear Memories. Uh, the school was operating two brand. the school, oh, well, sorry, they supply to schools. So the business was operating Moon and Back School Gifts and Bear Memories. Moon and Back School Gifts was supplying a whole range of gifts, predominantly to educational institutions that they can then use on their Mother's Day and their Father's Day stalls to enable fundraising. So we bought that brand. We then also bought the Bear Memories brand, which supplies graduation bears and other plush and signing products for those end of year celebrations that the schools have. So that's what the business was doing primarily. John and I have bought that business in June last year. Like I mentioned, we named it Gifts to Give because we thought that it was really about gifting and spreading joy. So that was our strategy. And then our intent is to start building a distribution business under that as well. And we've just secured our first distribution agreement in November last year. What what does
0: distribution agreement mean?
1: So what we're going to do is start importing what we think are really great products to gift. Um, so we'll be sourcing those globally. Um, we've done a few international trips to sort of look at sourcing those. So as an example, the first distribution agreement we've got is for a product called Finamil, which is reinventing spice grinding. Okay. So we're going to be importing um, these spice grinders and then distributing them across Australia and New Zealand. Like
0: spice grinder, like like cooking spice? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. And, and so, distribution agreement means that you have the rights to distribute that particular product.
1: Yep. Correct. Exclusively across Australia and New Zealand. Oh, very cool. Mm.
0: And, John, he's your business partner? He is. He's been a business partner for have you guys, been in business a long time together or how did
1: you meet? Yeah. So um, interestingly, I do say to everybody that um, I have two husbands. I do only sleep with one, <laughs> which is a, a good thing, but um, keeps things nice and tidy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so John and I, I started working with John back in 2007. So funnily enough, John was the treasurer of a newly formed association, which was called the Telstra Licensee Association. And I was just working as a sales and marketing consultant at the time and I came in to support the association after meeting some Telstra licensees at a networking event. Um, and Shout out then, to
0: networking events.
1: Yes, 100%, 100%. <laughs> they are very valuable and have served me well across my career. And so John and I were working on the association. I could see, you know, I've. You've got to remember, so this is 2007, right? So the iPhone 3 is coming out. (laughs) Um, iPads and Apple Watches and all that sort of stuff doesn't exist. And I'm working with a group of Telstra licensees that are operating Telstra stores. And um, I started to get a feel of what was coming and decided that, hang on a second, I actually want to be a Telstra licensee. I don't want to be supporting the association. Um, and John was really kind and gave me the opportunity to buy into one of his stores. So in 2010, um, we went into business together after successfully working together, um, for sort of three years on the association. And that was, um, our first business together was Telstra Store Broadmeadows back then. And it sort of just went from there.
0: He obviously saw something in you that was like, wow, I'm going to be stronger with this person.
1: Uh, Yeah, look, hopefully he did. Um, And I saw something in him as well. Um, I think what's really good is that we are completely opposite. Um, Our strengths complement each other uh, rather than crossover. And we very much know our strengths and stick to our lanes. And that has served us really well um, in every business that we've now done thus far.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've heard horror stories Mm. um, throughout my career about partnerships. Uh, You even hear about the macabre between people, uh, you know, between uh, members and their partners and Mm -hmm. falling out. But you guys have literally, how many Telstra stores did you, uh, did you do more than one Telstra store?
1: Yeah, definitely. So we started, so we had Telstra store Broadmeadows together and then John also had Telstra store water gardens at the time. He then also grew and bolted on a Telstra business centre. In 2016, we then really took off. So we acquired Telstra store Airport West from Telstra. We then also Um, started our Solution Builder business and Solution Builder started as a sales enablement tool that was specialising in helping Telstra stores sell more. So we had built it for ourselves. And that was a separate business? Yeah, it was a completely separate. Well, what we did is we saw an opportunity where we built this software for our own use because we thought that there was an opportunity to sell better and improve the customer experience in our own Telstra stores. Then other Telstra licensees got wind of what we were doing and said, "How do we get a little bit of that? And how do we use that software?" And John and I were like, "Hang on a second, here we go."
0: I want to get I want to get back to talking more about um, uh, building, like finding a new business opportunity by building something that you need and that therefore you think others would need. But but I, I want to highlight the point that you and uh, you and John have been business partners so successfully through so many different businesses and even at the new business now, all the different Telstra stores, what do you think is the key to choosing or finding, you know, the best possible business partner? Because it can be the greatest decision you ever make mm-hmm. or it can be the worst. Yeah. And you are one of the most successful partnerships I've, 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 I've seen, I've come across. And, yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear what you think on that.
1: I think that at the very core, um, there's a very strong value alignment. Um, John and I have got a very similar belief system um, and it was really interesting when we were in the Telstra businesses, we used to call it our recipe and and the R stood for respect. Um, We've always had an immense respect for each other and also acknowledging what each other brings to the table. Um, Our second value, the E was engagement. C was commitment. We've always been incredibly committed to each other and committed to making our businesses a success. The I was integrity and we were very much aligned on doing things right and doing things um, well. And then the P and E were passion and excellence. So he's also a serial entrepreneur. um, And we're just very aligned at that core, which I think has really helped.
0: And I I guess you also mentioned prior that you're both opposites. You mm-hmm. know what you're good at, and you stick to you. You know you, you. Therefore, make each other stronger being together, and you you stay in you stay in your lane in terms of this is what I'm best at. So this is what I'm going to do.
1: A hundred percent. So I think what's really good is John's always been fantastic at strategy, um, finance, um, execution, um, and bigger picture thinking. And then I come in and I'm happy to be the legs on the ground from a sales and marketing perspective. So you can't be good at everything, right? You need to be able to either recruit the talent around you or align with it. And I think that because we are that perfect complement and all of those skills are the same, no matter the business, okay? you apply those same foundation skills, no matter the, where you bu- are. Like business
0: principles.
1: Correct. So true, and exactly. I mean you
0: would know because you've done multiple, you've got multiple, well, you currently have multiple yeah. businesses in different industries, mm-hmm. and um, and and you're using those principles across them all. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, did you? All, were you always going to be in business, or um, is it a, a a thing your family a, has always
1: done? Or I guess yeah, what made definitely. you get into? It? <laughs> Look, I've, I was I was born, um, you know, to, I guess, you know. A good old European family. Are you Italian? Maltese. Maltese. Yeah. I'm yeah. showing Camilleri. Yeah, yeah. Camilleri. So we're off the off the boot of Italy. Yeah. <laughs> we get kicked off. So, um, my dad had a business. When I was 15, I started working in his trailer factory. Literally on the school holidays, you know, cleaning, greasing toe balls, folding pamphlets, whatever was required at the time, counting the cash in the tills. Um, you you know how that goes, I guess. Um, I've heard your history as well, Daniel. Yeah. So. You know, it was that all of my aunties and uncles had businesses, be it a hot bread and a bottle shop, and and I was always surrounded by it. And I think always had a passion to be able to work for myself. And after my first career, which was very much hospitality and events, I discovered my passion for sales and marketing there. And actually just stepped out to become a consultant on my own and be a sales and marketing consultant, which was how I was doing Your Business Alliance. And that's what then led me to the Telstra opportunity because I was being a consultant at the time so, from a sales and marketing perspective.
0: So basically being a consultant was the, your first step in towards owning and running your own business. Yeah, it was like, the first
1: day and I registered. Yeah. See, mm-hmm. that's
0: uh, – and I, I I, really think that, you know, it, it, consultancy is a great first step because it gives you the opportunity well, – it's a low, uh, low cost barrier. You can you can yeah. get into it. You, mm-hmm. you you've got complete ownership over everything, but you can also work with multiple businesses, multiple owners. See, well, oh, I really like how this person operates. I oh, have this person's a moron. Oh, I like this trait from this person, and 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 kind of work across industries to really find your passion, your style. You know, mm. your business style and principles to then implement into, um, I guess, a, a, a larger business. Mm-hmm. Um, um. Did that work like that for you? I've never yeah. had this thought before either. It's just as you describe the way you describe that progression, I thought, what well, that is a really good place for consultancy. It's it's a transition from non-owner yeah. to, to...
1: The really amazing thing about consultancy that I used to love and I still love about it because I still do a bit of it, is that as much as um, people bring consultants into their business because they want their specialist skills and they want their expertise, but as a consultant it's actually very humbling and quite a blessing that you can learn so much by understanding your client's business. And I have learnt and grown so much from learning um, and never stopping learning. You never do um, because that's when you just become really stale. But you then take all those good parts that you love in other businesses that you see, you get to share and impart your own knowledge, but it's actually enriching your knowledge at the same time.
0: Yeah. I And I, I just think, as a business owner, you need to be in a constant path of learning. And, mm. and, uh, some people read a lot. I mean, I like to read a lot and um, some people do courses and things. Um, but the best learning you can do is just see what others do mm. and just surround yourself with others, other business owners. Mm-hmm. If, if they can be your clients, your friends, whatever it may be. Mm. Um, like even for me, this, this conversation, yeah, you know, what I mean? it, it's, it's just, it's about seeing how others do broadening your vision on the different possibilities mm. and, uh, uh, different options and sorry. that's the value in
1: cub right yeah Because well that, we get to meet all those other business owners and be surrounded by that
0: yeah it, that, that's exactly yeah. that's kind of the the, the premise see it, it, it just, I just think surrounding yourself with the right people is the um it's just the most important thing you can do as a business owner although we're not supposed to be talking about cub yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about you and and so your uh, family's multi did, did your did your father uh, migrate to Australia and, and mother
1: yeah so dad was 13 when he migrated. So he was one of the first boats called the Sydney. So him and his eight siblings came out here and my mum was quite- They went to the wrong city. Did you go to Sydney or Melbourne? No, they came to Melbourne. (laughs) Inappropriately named boat. Yes, I know, but that's what they they did back then. Um, And it was the good old program when Australia was, you know, heading over to Europe to pay the migrants to come, you know, (laughs) Australia was trying to recruit people to the country. Um, My mum was uh, much younger. My mum was three. So um, she came out with her family and, yeah. And your father started, um, um, what was it, a trailer? It was a trailer manif- business. A trailer yeah. business. Yeah, so he was he was his own truck driver as well um, before he started the trailer business and then um, went into working for himself. So he successfully ran that business for over 40 years. Wow. Mm. That's
0: real family business style yes. stuff. yeah, definitely. Um, and, and how do you think – you know, how do you think watching your parents and and and, and what they did and what they built because they really they built a life from 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 nothing. When you mm. come from another country, yeah, you, you're, you're you're building you're you're literally laying your own foundations. How do you think that impacted you?
1: Oh, look, my dad's entire family did that. Um, so I was definitely taught very early um to have a strong work ethic and that you definitely create your own fate. Um, and I think that that had a huge impact because. You know, I've never wanted for anything. Um, I've been very blessed. Uh and so and I've also seen that, you know, amongst my cousins and um and the entire family.
0: Yeah. Laura's jealous because because um um she's hearing that they used to pay migrants to come to Australia. She's trying she's like, I'm trying to get my my residency, no one's paying me. <laughs> yes. It's changed, Laura. There, things have changed a little bit. <laughs> sorry, sorry, man. <laughs> and one thing I find um really interesting. Uh, about yourself and, and your journey in business is that you've very often acquired existing businesses. Mm-hmm. And I, well, I have spoken to um, uh, many people who have done that, but I find it such uh, an interesting topic because a lot of people think, oh, to be a business owner, you have to start something from scratch. Often that is not the best ca- the best case scenario. And it's it, it's often the harder, like it, it, it's harder to get something off the ground. But buying an existing business is an art. And there are elements to it that can go wrong Mm -hmm. as well. So you need to be good at it. I'd love to hear what made you, you know, kind of how you got set on that trajectory of purchasing a business as opposed to starting.
1: Yeah. So I guess the first business that I did buy into was with John uh, when I bought, you know, 50% of Telstra Store Broadmeadows back in 2010. Um, And we've, you know, we've started greenfield businesses. So Work Tank and Solution Builder were greenfield. And then we've bought Telstra Store Airport West from, from Telstra. And as I've said, we've just bought bare memories recently. I think you need to be really, really anal and really detailed from a due diligence perspective. So when we were looking for a business after we ended our Telstra journey, we probably looked at over 100 IMs and opportunities. Like I can't even tell you how much we we researched, but you learn a lot from that process as well. And we went into due diligence three times um, before we landed on the gifts to give business. Funnily enough, the first business was an import business, um, import wholesale. The second one was an e-commerce business. And then the third, which is the one we bought, was the blend of the two. And by learning and understanding all of these other businesses and looking at people's P&Ls and the numbers they're doing and how they're marketing it, it actually really helped us carve out to identify what the right opportunity is. So I think that when you're going to buy a business, you definitely need to invest in the research. Yeah. Um, you need to spend a lot of time identifying the opportunity and then also doing your market research because you're not buying a business for what it is now. I always believe that you're buying a business for where you think you can take it. It's all about the upside and the opportunity and it's backing yourself. Otherwise, it's, you would just do it yourself, right? It also
0: sounds like, though, that you enjoy the research part of purchasing a business. You enjoy the study. And because you're learning yeah. so much about a bit, Love the numbers. It's almost like a real-life case study. Yeah. You know, you're doing a market analysis. Where does this business sit? What's mm. the Where's the competition? And um, what are the strengths that we can play? What elements can we add to this business to create a stronger strategy and um, like, it actually does sound like fun. We should buy some businesses. That yeah, would be that, awesome.
1: It also probably feeds a little bit of a competitive streak that I have because yeah. there's nothing that I've loved more than buying a business and then turning it around and smashing it. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've, we did that really well with Airport West. Um, we're well on our way with the current business, which is good. Uh, so I love... The challenge of okay, well, let's. This is what it's doing, but this is where I think we can take it. I can make it better. So let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Um. And when you say so, you you have uh, viewed a lot of IMs, which are what are they? Information memorandums. Yes. Sorry. Uh, so basically, just they're the packs that the businesses have for potential purchasers to look at to to be like, okay, well, I'm interested in this. What what when when looking at um, different IMs, were you looking uh, through broad industries or what were the things that were standing out to you? What were the things that would, so if you only did due diligence on three of the, I'm assuming, I don't know how many you said you.
1: Over a like, hundred. Yeah. So lots,
0: lots. of times. What, what stood out by those three? What made you think, okay, let's pursue these three further?
1: Yeah. So John and I sat down and having, you know, we, we knew what we had done. We knew what we'd achieved. We also knew what we hadn't done yet and where we might like to learn something new what was something that was really important to us was to try and find a business that just had unlimited scale, which is where the whole import wholesale e-commerce opportunity was really exciting to us because we'd been a bit restricted in the past, which is has been frustrating. As an example, with Work Tank, um, you know, there's only so many offices and desks that we can Um, Yeah, there's only so much space you can sell in a co-work space. So the way to scale work tank is to build more work tanks and that's quite a capital intensive growth model and we did our research on the industry and could see that. Uh, With Telstra stores, you know, you're limited by your retail footprint and how much you can do in your lease line or in the patch that you're allocated by Telstra. So for us to have, I guess, um, the fence ripped out was really important so that we could find something that was scalable. Uh, We also wanted something that was not 363 days a year because I had done 12 years of that and John had done 17 years and, um, you know, looking forward to Christmas Day because everything's shut can get a little bit (laughs) exhaustive um, as well as prepping for a Boxing Day sale. So I guess we just sort of had a really good think about where we were in our entrepreneurial journey and we were really anal about not settling. Let's keep searching until we find something that ticks our boxes. Because as entrepreneurs, we can, so we can actually choose what we want to do.
0: Yeah, there's no, th- so don't just rush to find something. Correct. Only make the move if it's if it's a hundred percent correct. And I, I just um, I, I like how you looked at um, the different businesses. So you had had businesses that. So I mean, you looked at your existing businesses and you said, well co-working and Telstra stores aren't, I mean, they're scalable, but they're not easily scalable or as easily as scalable as we want. Plus, it is a lot. We're putting a lot of physical manpower into into Mm -hmm. being there and it's taking a lot of days and time that we have to be there. Let's look for a business that has less kind of input, like less, um, I don't want to say manpower, but like less like uh, uh, where you can – be at home, or you can have a bit more freedom from the business. Yeah, plus something it's a lifestyle that's, choice. Yeah, plus something that's unlimitedly scalable, mm-hmm. and and so you have then went and found a business that suits
1: your current current needs. It's like just a really um, cool way to design your own life. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess as well as much as I think ROI is always really important, and that's obviously what you're looking at from an investment perspective. The other thing that I've always been quite aggressive about is what I call my ROT, which is my return on time. So um, because I believe that time is my biggest asset, um, it's the only thing I can't, like I can't change it. I have no control over it. I just have control over the way I spend it. So if our return on time isn't there, then the rest just falls by the wayside. Do
0: you like having a lot of control over your businesses or are you more free-flowing? Uh, control. Yeah, <laughs> <Got that laughs> you might be picking that up. Uh, time, yeah. is <laughs> yes, time is the only thing I can't.
1: Yes, time is the thing I can't control. So, uh, yeah, I like to make the most of it. Yeah.
0: And with the, the you mentioned that you guys both put in like over a decade each mm-hmm. of um, of you know, huge work and huge days. Now that that you, I mean, now you're saying like, oh, you know, we you know we're looking for something that we can scale without having to do that. But do you think that going through that amount of, you know, that amount of time working and putting in that effort was essential to you being in the position that you are now where you can, um, uh, where you can be more free and be in the position you are? or, Or could you have not put in those huge hours and got where you are today?
1: Oh no! I, I think that definitely the hours that we've put in, and look, we still put in big hours now, but it's different because we do it on our own terms. Yeah, and that's really
0: good. And you get better at doing it. I yeah, find like definitely, and um, like sometimes, like even with mentors of mine, they're doing more than me, but they look like they're doing nothing. Yeah, I'm like, right. you know, it's like, how are you doing that? You're not even there. Like, you, know, what, what are you doing? Like, how? They, so they must just get so good at doing it, they're not even doing it, and it's happening.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think as well, like. I don't really believe in work-life balance, I think it's all a bit of crap.
0: Amen. Speaking, right? pre- 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 preaching yeah. to the pro- choir, whatever that's yeah, saying. There you is. Go. I, I yeah. don't go to church
1: enough. No. But that whole work life, like, I, I love what I do. So it doesn't feel like work. Um, and I enjoy doing that as part of my life. So I don't even count the hours that I'm working a week or whatever. It's just, it's part of my life and I love doing it.
0: Yeah, there's just one life. Work's, just the, works a part of it. Correct. And, and work's a huge part of it that can make the rest of it really amazing also. Correct. You know, that's and you're just
1: choosing how you spend your time, right? Yeah, and I just
0: think it's amazing. Like, if you can go to sleep excited to wake up to do what what, mm-hmm. what you know what you're doing, um, that's like that's a really special feeling. Like, mm. uh, yeah, I, I think when you have that, you're like, okay, well, you're doing the right thing.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I've always said that I want to be in a position where I'm looking forward to Monday more than Friday.
0: Mm. And what made you do the co working space? Because that's kind of random. You went from Telstra store to co-working? Was it just it was a hot trend at the moment?
1: No. So we, um, funnily enough, we were looking at ways to diversify out of Telstra because, again, we were trying to scale. And as a serial entrepreneur does, John and I were getting a bit bored. So uh, it was actually John that kicked us off on the co-working journey. He said um, we, we would often have strategy days or days where we were working together on the business. And he was like, why do we have to keep coming into the city to find a decent meeting room? It's just ridiculous that there's nothing out around us. And I'm like, yeah, it's a really good point. But I just thought he was making a flippant comment and, and and off I went. And then one day uh, when we were in town, he booked a meeting room in a co-working space. So we used to always go to like an RACV club or whatever to have a meeting. And he's gone, oh, I'll, I'll book the meeting room this time and, and this is what we'll do. And so we went and it was the first co-working space I'd stepped into And so we've gone in, he's like, oh, let's have a tour. I'm like, okay. So we had a tour, looked at the meeting room and I'm like, what are you doing? Because I think we should build one of these. Oh, okay, great. No problem. Like I said, his strategy. (laughs) He's like, I think one of these would work really well out our way. And then, you know, we'll have a meeting room to go to. Well, that's a bit extreme. I know you are a bit upset about no meeting rooms in the area, but sure, let's build it. So then he found a building um, we we kicked it off, and in 2018 we broke ground and decided we would build our first co-working space and just give that a bit of a go. Uh, in we were meant to open, so that was uh, no sorry 2018 we did the plans. 2019 August we broke ground, and we had everything in the business plan except for a pandemic.
0: Yes. Yeah. I remember talking to you at the start of the pandemic.
1: (laughs) We were meant to open in March 2020. And we were standing there. Literally, the painters were in the meeting rooms. I'll never forget it. We're standing there. We're on a conference called a Telstra that were telling us that we were going to go into dark mode of operating our stores. Right. Which means what? Ah, well, I'll get to that in a second. But then we're watching the television and Daniel Andrews is telling everyone to work from home. And so then I've looked at John and I've looked at the 28 open desks and 16 offices that are under construction behind us. And I'm this thought, is awkward. Oh, this is going to be an interesting sales job. It's going to be really good. And I said to him, Look, it's fine. We'll just delay opening till June. This will be done by June. <laughs> Anyway, it was not, as we know. But you know, we're still here to tell the story and it's it's doing really, really well today. Um and look, dark mode was how a Telstra store had to operate, you know, under lockdown conditions as an essential service. So okay. um yeah I like that thing. We were learning we might rapidly.
0: dark mode. Like that's yeah. like, guys, let's just get it done, do whatever you need to do to get it done, go dark.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. So literally the retail stores were open, but with the lights off out the so. Yeah, it was oh, it was actually dark mode. The <laughs> yeah, person's not it was creative. Literally but dark mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but and we uh, had to, you know, get mobile broadband out to all of these people that suddenly needed to work from home and yeah, all that sort so of stuff. Yeah. So interesting.
0: And but how did you manage to get through um that period with the co-working because you know, it was a new venture. It is capital intensive. You literally were selling space for people to work and then the government was saying, "Well, no, you can't do that. People you, you can't work anywhere else." Mm-hmm. What went through your head? Were you panicked? And also, how did you actually get through it?
1: Yeah. Definitely a few oh shits went through our heads. <laughs> um, and I probably shouldn't swear, but yep. You can. Um, yeah. So we, we delayed the opening till the June. And uh, John was like, okay, well, we've come this far. Let, let's just go and we'll delay the opening till the June. When we got to June and we saw that things weren't getting a whole lot better, we uh, you know, and I hated this word in COVID, but but it was true. We pivoted, and effectively, we had um, our retail head office, as well as our uh, well Telstra Business Centre. By that stage, had become a Telstra Enterprise Partner, which was Cinefo ICT Solutions. They were operating out of, operating out of a separate premise, and we were able to end that lease. We were leasing that space and move those businesses into Work Tank which was really helpful. So we were able to just find a way for our other existing businesses to support our To occupy a free space. Correct. (laughs) Um, So it was huge. and um, But you know, great for the team, quite morale boosting in the middle of a pandemic. Fresh new office. And like fresh new offices, we are an essential service. So if we're going to work, let's work somewhere pretty. So we did. And it actually probably got a lot of people through COVID because they were still able to come to work. There could have been the odd sneaky lunch and drink occurring in the work premise. But, um, you know, whatever it takes to build a culture, right, and whatever it takes you to get through. Um, And then what was really good is as we had our doors open, there were people that were walking past saying, you know, I can't work from home anymore. Like, I just – I've got screaming kids. I, I need somewhere to escape. And, I'm like, well, if you're an essential service and that's not really up for me to decide, then we are open. <laughs> Please let me in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please, um, imagine so, working
0: from home, kids. Uh, oh, have hell. I've got, you know, I didn't want to do it. Yeah, of course. No one mm. would. I mean, some people want to do it, but people, not, not people like me want to do it. I can tell you that. Mm-mm. Even right now, I've got a construction – there's uh, renovations happening in my apartment building. I was like, imagine if I'm working from home – i got a renovation upstairs. Yeah. So how can I go? All of a sudden I have no
1: office. No, definitely not. And look, I definitely determined in COVID I was not born to be a teacher. So <laughs> the best thing for me was when my husband got home from work at one o'clock and I had to go to the co-working space. <laughs> like goodbye everybody. <laughs> That's too <laughs> funny. Yep. Absolutely.
0: And so, and the co-working space. What else that shows though is that, well, A, everything happens for a reason. So like. I mean, I believe that. I say it all the time. But Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you did this co-working space. Oh, I can't use it. Bang. Got the co-working space. Got my other businesses. I can put them in there. And and, and it's almost like it's a faster start for the co-working space because then people are walking past. There's social proof. There's activity. Things are walking in. Second COVID lifts. People rush out of their homes. Try to find the closest space to work. And bang, your space is already a vibe because everyone's been in there for a while. Like, it's just that, you know, you can always find that. You can always find that path forwards and that, and that and that reason for, but also it shows that getting bigger is better because, you know, by having multiple businesses, you were able to strategically bring them to make them advantageous, a- advantageous for each other. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah.
1: Um, scaling has certainly helped us lean on each other and um, you can then use those businesses and build your own ecosystem effectively, mm-hmm. which has been really good. Yeah. And, and it's
0: obviously culture is something that's quite, I I imagine you would be fantastic with culture uh, and such a a fantastic leader. Is there, do you play a strong role in terms of leadership um, in in the business, uh, you know, regarding your partnership with John? Are you the uh, leader for the team? At the majority, or does John play a leadership role? Oh, he definitely
1: fun? plays a leadership role. Um, we're both very strong in that regard. I think that that's where people have seen that over the journey as well. Um, we've been really blessed. There are people, you know, we've got numerous people, a list of people that have worked with us for over 10 years because, um, and some of them even call us mum and dad hilariously because we can sometimes argue like a mum and dad. Um, it's not all roses, but it's but it's really um upfront and solid and clear with each other. So, um, definitely building that culture together. And that's where I come back to that value alignment. Um, Leading our team with those same values and being really aligned has been very beneficial.
0: And I just think that's important what you said. It's not always uh, roses. Like just because you're in a great partnership doesn't mean you always have to agree.
1: Oh, absolutely not. And to be honest, that's probably what's made it better. Mm. Yeah. Because we've both always been very strongly um, stick for what we believe in. And we've Also never swept anything under the carpet. If you've got to say something, then you just simply say it, Mm. right? Be really upfront, honest and clear with each other. Um, Have your Barneys and work through them.
0: And what do you think the key to keeping people for over 10 years is?
1: Uh, (laughs) um, Gosh, what's the key to that? That's a really good question. I think it would be um, treating them like family, supporting them like family, um, being respectful to them and realising that they're choosing to work for you. They don't have to. Um, So be grateful for what they bring to the table. Yeah. I think that that's always been really important Um, and acknowledge the contribution that they make to the business and to the journey. Um, And it's also been the, the, the people has actually been the most rewarding part of our businesses to date because we've got a number of people that started their careers on the retail floor um, you know, in Telstra and are now programmers in Solution Builder or community managers at Work Tank uh, or now working in the warehouse at It Gives to Give because they've been really excited to see our journey and to be a part of it and to watch us scale and be able to have lots of different roles along the time. I also think that
0: when uh, people can see that they're part of a winning team
1: mm. and
0: that their leaders are you know, striving for more and, and, and striving to grow and that things are happening. Like, it's almost like, well, I don't want to jump off this train. It's the, it's leading somewhere great, you know? Yeah. And, and you and John are, yeah, have always been growing and, and pushing and, 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 and trying to push yourselves. And I'm sure that plays an element in the team being like, well, Hey, but this is like a family culture. I'm recognized. And I feel acknowledged But on top of that there's also a great future for me because there's so much future opportunity because the company's doing well. Mm. You know, I, I really think doing well is, 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 well, I mean, it definitely is your core purpose of as an owner, as CEO, is for the company to do well. Mm. And, and the most important thing you can do to make it do well is have a fantastic, best team possible
1: mm.
0: with the best culture possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And, um, and you, you keep a, a solution builder and, um, um, I actually don't know what it is, but I know it's the business. So that's SoulBuild is the Yeah, Yeah, SoulBuild's the website. And and so you did, you created that business. It's a software business, a tech business. Yeah, it's a sales enablement tool. And that was the one that you started because you realized in running the Telstra store that you needed something. So you were like, screw it, let's build it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, funnily enough, um, you know, we had a great partnership with Telstra and worked really solidly with them over the journey. But Telstra, um, we, we were saying to them, we really need this sort of tool um, because we need to find an easier way to make the complex simple because selling mobile phones and Telstra plans and all of the add-ons, I don't know the last time you did that, but but over that journey, it was it was quite complex. And so we would have salespeople starting on our retail floor. And a lot of these people were, you know, 18, 19, 20, it's their first job. Um, and we wanted to turn them into sales machines, right? Let's face it. So But getting them um, the speed to competency was just really slow. So we wanted to find a way to speed that up. And so we identified by having a really good sales enablement tool and flow, we could speed that up. So we built it. So we spoke to Telstra about building it. um, And for a range of reasons, they were unable to make that happen. And and they came back to us and said, look, you know, we're trying and we understand your suggestion, but, you know, we, we just can't make it a priority at the moment. And we were like, okay, no problem. Um, and um, that was probably the best thing they said to us because I said, well, that's okay. We'll Big do opportunity. it. opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. We'll do it ourselves. And so we um, – you know, we came up with a concept with some of our retail staff, like I said, at the time, and they're still with us today. And we said, all right, um, I, I, you know, we drew it all up on a map and we said, this is what we want this software to do, right? Can we, can we make it do this? Um, and we had one team member in particular, um, Brandon, who would go off on a weekend and came back and he would show me this little bit of software and code and he goes, is this what you meant, Joe?'" And I was like, oh, you're a gem. That's fantastic. That's exactly what I meant. So um, we built it for ourselves and it started to work. Our speed to competency, we had people selling on the Telstra floor um, faster than they knew how to provision it. They didn't know they were selling solutions to customers and then they were like after a week of working with us and would then say, oh, how do I actually now give this iPhone to the customer and create the contract? leave that with me. No problem. You keep selling. So um, <laughs> that was a good problem to have. Right. And then NPS scores and customer experience was, was going great. And then the way it grew was, was really funny. There were customers that didn't want to make the buying decision on the day. So we had a printout of their solution and they would go off and then they would take it into another Telstra store that wasn't one of our stores. And so oh, I just want to go ahead with this. And so the other Telstra stores were like, where did you get that from? And so then those Telstra stores would ring us and say, "How did you create that?" And we're like, "Oh, well, we've built this little bit of software, and that's how it went." Marketing, yeah, it's like an unexpected so marketing. It source. was, it was really quite it's amazing like when
0: Instagram started and people started sharing the filtered photos on Facebook and being like, "Wow, well, how did they do that?" Yeah. It's the same thing, correct? That's amazing. Yeah. And and I mean, really, the best thing, the best way to build a business is to build something that you need and then turn that into a business. Yeah. That's exactly literally really what we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's what we're doing that what I'm doing with BOA, Um the the new digital platform. It's like I just I want a platform for business owners, a place I can talk about the things that that uh, are important to me with with other people on the same path who who get me. And and um and I mean the existing major platforms in the world they I, I just have always now they're just a bit diluted, noisy and 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 perhaps too broad of demographic to be effective for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's li- literally – I'm taking a page out of your book and be like, well, I want to build something that's that's yeah. for business owners, yeah. you know. And and my hope is – I don't know if it's going to work, but my hope is that if I want it and like it, that, yeah. that, other that, that you'll want it and like it. Yeah, you know? definitely. So, like, that's a really cool way for someone to think of a new business idea.
1: Yeah, well, that's the same with Solution Builder and Work Tank, right? We needed a meeting room. And yeah. so John's like, well, we'll just start building them.
0: Yeah, and also – you've you've um uh, you've not just purchased businesses but you've also started
1: yeah definitely
0: successful like you really cover all bases yeah and your role in the business you mentioned was um uh, also very much you're you're the person that is great with sales and and driving sales teams Um, i guess what's your philosophy on creating the the best possible sales management and creating high-performing salespeople?
1: Uh, what's always worked for me is um, getting getting on the ground with my team, um, teaching them that it's all about relationships, and people will buy from people that they like and that they connect with, and that you always have to really identify. Um, a customer's needs, and please stop selling your agenda. Just identify the customer's agenda and and work to that, because no one is interested in your own personal agenda. Um, and a good sales office is an empty one. So um, I never wanted to see my salespeople. I just wanted to see their results.
0: Because you want them out meeting clients. Yes, I students. don't know why you're sitting
1: here talking to me or looking at me. You should be out there talking to customers. <laughs> uh, yeah. And how
0: would you manage them? Was it like a weekly meeting, daily
1: meeting? Yeah, or Friday then? mornings, 8am. Um, always have done like a weekly sales roundup um, in the retail stores. It was more of a Monday morning roundup with my, with my store managers um, and always measuring. You, you can't manage what you don't measure. So I've always been quite anal about measuring everything, you know, number of sales calls, number of new opportunities, pipeline follow up. You so know. you have
0: very, very, um, good, um, uh, reporting systems and, 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 and frequent reports. Absolutely.
1: Have always been anal about reporting and measurement and checking in, um, and managing that, um, and ensuring that you're getting a return on investment,
0: right? With sales is the most important thing how many Definitely. meetings, uh, how many meetings booked, how many meetings showed, um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, what's the conversion rate for the meeting yep. how, what, and then then work backwards to figure out how many means you need a book to Definitely. get whatever, whatever. But also you want.
1: being careful that you're also getting quality over quantity, because that's always really important. You do get some salespeople that would always just obsess about quantity, um, but not deliver any quality. So I think that you've just got to be really yeah, clear and structured in terms of what your objectives are when mm. you're in a, when you're driving a sales team. Um, you don't want them
0: wasting time with people who aren't going to buy. Absolutely not.
1: Absolutely not. And that I think a lot of people fall into the trap of not realizing that sales is a structured process. Um, so if you're not following a process, then you're not going to sell anything.
0: Mm. And so would you guys put like a vet call in to to make sure the client was uh, a potential buyer, or how would you how would you get how would you improve your quality of meeting of sales meeting?
1: Um, I think by measuring conversion was always a way to do it and also every, you know, no matter how busy I was, um, onboarding every new sales team member, um, they would start their sales calls with me yeah. so that they were really clear on the expectation, on the structure. I would talk to them about, you know, building rapport, asking questions, showing value, identifying obstacles, confirming the sale and then staying in touch with the customer. Yeah. That was the structure. doesn't matter what you're selling. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they had to be able to rattle that off back to me before we went into any meetings so that they knew what they were going to do.
0: Yeah. My, my, my old man, um, used to say, or well, says a very similar thing, which is if you bring on new salespeople, just sit them next to the best performing salesperson for three months. And that's how you train them. Just yeah. get them to work with them, get them to do, what they do hear what they hear, just put them next to the best 100%. person. And that's the best way to go. Um, and we do, uh, have to wrap up, but I just wanted to talk about one more thing, which was, uh, Obviously, working with Telstra uh, is really interesting because mm. um, you're kind of seeing how huge businesses operate,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and also how they scaled mm-hmm. and grew. It was were there any key lessons you learned from from your time at Telstra, or things that Telstra did that was um, um, that was useful for you as an entrepreneur?
1: Mm. I think that what was really interesting for us and working with a big business is that if you could identify the opportunity and identify their objectives and what they needed to achieve, and you could help them achieve it, then that was a really good partnership, right? It had to be a win-win. And big businesses like Telstra find it a lot harder to be agile and to be responsive to changing market conditions than a smaller business can. So, if you can be their smaller business arm on the ground and be that support to them that really helps them achieve their objectives, then that's how you can add the most value to them. You can then have a very valuable partnership with them. And in turn, they then deliver really strong value to you.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic advice. But that's also fantastic advice to just create being a good partner, like Mm. how to partner with a big business. Sometimes the quickest way for you to grow is actually by partnering with a a, a big business, something established. And mm-hmm. if you can find a way to, that it's a mutual, mutually beneficial relationship,
1: mm-hmm.
0: best way to do it, best Absolutely. Best way to approach it. Um, we normally wrap up with like a, a favourite book or, or greatest lesson. Um, um, do you read much?
1: Uh, I do. When I get the time, I probably listen to Audible a Yeah, I use Audible quite a lot these days because, um, you know, one of my other very rewarding jobs is being a mother. And so I do find less time to read <laughs> these days. Uh, but I would have to say that the work that the Resilience Project does is just absolutely brilliant um, in all aspects of life. So, um, you know, I don't know if you've read that book no, by Hugh, uh, Hugh Van Kolenberg. Um But the Resilience Project is actually a Melbourne-based business um, and they do incredible work on resilience and practising um, what they call gem gratefulness, empathy and mindfulness. I find that really good and that that's the key to happiness because if you're not happy, then, you know, that's no a, point. there's no point, right? Um, and, you know, the other big lesson that I learned is that without um, your happiness or your health, um, there's nothing else that matters. Um, so, uh, you know, money means nothing. It can't buy you happiness and it actually all it does is give you choice, right? That's all the money will do, but it won't impact anything else. So um, I don't place too much focus on it.
0: That's wonderful. That's fantastic. Um, and to our amazing listeners, if you want to find out more about Joe Cam or get in contact, you can go to cub.club forward slash podcast. You'll find uh, find everything there. And if you want to catch up with uh, Cub on socials, you can go to at Club United Business on Instagram. It's also awesome. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Daniel. Thanks, Laura.
0: I hope you enjoyed the show.